Welcome to Daily Drive Time Devotions. We're looking together through Philippians chapter 1. The principle in uh, Philippians is the principle of joy. It's a book that talks to us about the fact that joy is found in the very places that we think joy is stolen from us. We've talked the last couple days about the fact that joy is found in our relationships, the way that we handle those relationships, the way we see those relationships. Even the relationships that you might think are stealing joy from you right now are a place where you can find joy when you and I begin to respond in a different way. Let me take a quick survey here about circumstances because beginning in Philippians 1.12, Paul begins to talk about circumstances as being one of those places where we find joy. Here's the survey. Which of these four circumstances do you think would give the greatest opportunity for joy? A uh, unexpected inheritance, an unexpected hurricane, an unexpected promotion, or an unexpected health problem? The answer is all the above. Now, I know you might be reaching for your iPod right now to turn it off and delete this thing because you're thinking, this guy does not know what he's talking about. It is ingrained in all of us that joy is a matter of circumstances. And because of that, we miss out on joy. We have to redefine joy. Joy is not perfect circumstances. In fact, you might even say that back in your mind. Joy is not perfect circumstances. If you're in your car by yourself, say it out loud. Joy is not perfect circumstances. If you're listening to this on a train, go ahead, say it out loud and see how people around you look at you. Joy is not perfect circumstances. Joy is not saying everything is okay because, because sometimes everything is not okay. Joy is God using our imperfect circumstances to work his perfect will into our lives. And when I recognize that, I can have joy no matter what the circumstances. The most popular misconception about joy is that joy is the result of a set of happy circumstances. When things are good, up goes the joy meter. When things go bad, the happiness needle heads to freezing. Now, obviously, that's not true. That's just obviously not true. We've all met people in great situations who have terrible dispositions. On the other hand, we've all met people who are in terrible circumstances, but they have a kind of joy in their lives that we can't quite seem to capture. Joy and circumstances, they do have something to do with each other. No doubt about that. But joy is found in the way that I respond to my circumstances. In fact, your attitude toward your circumstances is the second place that joy is won or lost in our lives. First in people and now in circumstances. And beginning in Philippians 1.12, Paul outlines an entirely different way of looking at circumstances. It's really not the circumstances that create or destroy joy. It's the way that I look at those circumstances. The principle is this. Joy is not found in a single event or feeling. Joy is found in a God-given process of life. Now, let me just give you a picture as we, as we think about joy and circumstances. Suppose you, uh, suppose you go to see the Grand Canyon, and you get a perfect seat just to sit, and you want to just sit there for maybe an hour or two and look at the Grand Canyon. But where you have chosen to sit is a little bit back, and, and all of a sudden, right in front of you drives this big Winnebago, this big, huge family truck, and it parks right in front of your view. That is a circumstance that has spoiled your view of life. What are you going to do in that moment? Well, you, you got several choices. You could, you could sit there and gripe and groan about the Winnebago. You focus on the ugly Winnebago. Look, it's rusting here. It's, it's in my way. I wanted to see the Grand Canyon, and I'm sitting here looking at this ugly thing. You could do that. Or you could sit there and say, you know, I deserve this. 
I've done some rotten things in my life. This is my lot in life. I deserve this. You, you could do that. Or you could look around and see some people that aren't behind the Winnebago, and you could become jealous of those who have a better view. Now, it's pretty obvious there is another option. Move your chair. Get someplace where you can look beyond the motorhome and see the view, the greatness, the grandeur of what God has created. That's the secret to joy in any circumstance. You change your focus. You don't pretend that the circumstances aren't there. You learn how to look beyond the Winnebago, to look beyond the circumstances that are there to see what God is doing. These next couple days, as we look at the last part of Philippians 1, we're going to look at four ways to look beyond, to see what God's really doing. Beginning in Philippians 1, 12 to 14 with the first one, look beyond the circumstance to see the result. Verses 12 to 14 of Philippians 1 say this, Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Now, remember, Paul is in Rome writing to Philippi. He is in prison, and that is not at all what he expected. He wanted to go to Rome and preach in the churches, not preach in the prisons. But he doesn't ask, why is this happening to me? Maybe he asked that at first, but he got past that. He didn't say to himself, didn't Jesus come to give me a pleasant life? How could he let this happen to me? Instead, he looked past the circumstances. And Paul's circumstances were difficult. Paul was chained 24-7 to a Roman guard. He was under house arrest. And they actually put a chain around the guard and around Paul to make sure that he couldn't escape. And Paul saw two results, two positive results of his chains. He was able to look past the chains to see evangelism and encouragement. He saw, first of all, evangelism. He says, the whole palace guard is hearing because of my chains. This is the praetorian guard, the palace guard. That means the emperor's bodyguards. These were the elite guards in Rome. And Paul is being chained to them one at a time. They're sort of like the secret service of that day. And they actually became a political power of that day. They were the ones with the swords. And so their nominee for Caesar always seemed to win. Now remember, this is the Apostle Paul. This is the man who wrote most of the New Testament. This is the one who went to city after city and nothing could stop him from sharing the good news of Christ. And he's being chained to one guard after the other after the other. What do you think they talked about? They didn't talk about Paul's pain. They didn't talk about the weather. They talked about the good news of Jesus Christ. It wasn't Paul's plan to be there, but God used even that. Christian history tells us that Paul had an impact. Nero, one of the later emperors of Rome, kills his own wife and his mother-in-law because they had professed Christ. The good news of Christ got even into Caesar's household. How did it get there? It got there through Paul's preaching and others preaching, even at the centers of power. Paul saw the result of evangelism, and he also saw the result of encouragement. The believers were bolder because he was in chains. He says, this, is, this has happened to advance the gospel. The word advance there has the idea of somebody who cuts away the underbrush so that an army can go forward. And Paul had the machete. He was out in front, and he saw what God was doing even through the difficulties. There's all kinds of chains in our lives. One of the most difficult circumstances is the circumstance of feeling chained, unable to move ahead. Although not nearly as dramatic as Paul, 
You might feel chained. You might feel chained to a job or to a debt or to a circumstance that you just can't change or to a sickness or to a family member who is sick. And you're thinking, this is keeping me from moving ahead. This is not at all what I expected. Paul reminds us that God wants to use even our chains. You might feel chained to a job. And you think, why in the world has God put me here? Why has he allowed me to be in this drudgery? Or why has he allowed me to be around these people that I just don't enjoy? You want to get out of it. But don't you think that God might just use you, someone who's different, somebody who can have joy like no one else in that office, no one else in that school, no one else in that place of work, that God might just use you to bring joy to someone that no one else could. I know some people who feel chained to their marriage. They feel like, I'm not going to get a divorce, but I'm going to just be chained to this marriage the rest of my life and pretty much be miserable. It's It's my lot in life. But don't you think that God wants to use even the difficulties of your marriage, not only to develop your own heart and life, but to give an opportunity to serve others? And maybe, just maybe, as you're honest about what you're facing, to bring some kind of joy into your marriage that would not have been there, except that you face difficulties together. God can work even through the chains of life, even through those times when it's not what I expected. Paul chose to focus not on the chains, but on his freedoms. He still had the freedom to talk to the guards, so he did. He still had the freedom to write and send letters, and so he did. In fact, he he wrote and sent letters while he was chained to the guards, so you might call them the first chain letters. I I hesitate saying that because I can't hear you groan when I say it, but but I'll, I'll say it anyway. Paul encouraged people, and he shared the good news with people even during difficult times. He looked past the circumstances to see the result. As you head on towards verse 15 of Philippians chapter 1, you see a second way that Paul found joy in any circumstance. He was able to look beyond. He also looked beyond the personalities to see God's plan. God's plan worked even through those who sometimes try to work against it, worked even though sometimes we have the wrong motives. Let me read for you Philippians chapter 1 verses 15 to 19. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but some others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I will rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers, and the help given by the Spirit of Christ Jesus, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. If you can catch hold of what Paul is talking about here, it can be one of the most transforming things that ever happens to you. When life is going tough, let's just be honest, there are people around you who encourage you, there's no doubt about that. But when life is going tough, there are also people around you who come along to make it worse. They love to build on your pain. And that's what was happening to Paul. There are some people, their hurt rather than their heart guides them. So even while he's in prison, they're trying to say that he is a liar, that he has false motives. And they're trying to outshine him in some way. Paul's talking here about some who preach Christ from bad motives and some who preach Christ from good motives. And the question a lot of people have is, how can I tell which is which? And and do any of us even really have totally pure motives? And what Paul says here is, 
What does it matter? As long as Jesus is being preached, don't worry about it. I don't have to worry about any of that. I can trust God. I can trust God to deal with the bad or the good motives with that person personally. And I can grow in Christ no matter what. What does it matter? Trying to figure out motives, have you found this, is a risky game. I can't even figure out my own motives. But I can tell if Jesus is being preached. Now, what we're talking about here in these verses, it drives some people crazy. They they ask themselves, how in the world could God use someone who has a bad motive? Well, he does it all the time. He's used me when I've had bad motives. And if you're honest and you search your heart, you'll probably find that he's used you when you've had bad motives. Now, that doesn't make the bad motives good. That doesn't mean I shouldn't work on them. It doesn't mean I, I won't suffer for them if I allow them to continue in my life. But it does mean this. God is bigger. God is bigger than my bad motives. And as long as Jesus is being clearly preached and he is being lifted up, that truth will win out. That truth is bigger and greater than my motives any day. I love the way of thinking that's revealed in these verses. Paul saw God working for his best in the realities of life. He didn't have to pretend that those realities weren't there to see that God was at work. That's joy for a lot of Christians. They put a pretend smile on. Everything's okay, even though it isn't. Paul didn't have to pretend. He freely admitted he was in prison. He was honest about the fact that some preached from envy and not from good motives. And yet, he did not find himself in despair because he knew that God could work in the realities of life. I love the phrase that's in the New Living Translation here, whether or not. Whether or not they do this, the fact remains. Whether or not things work out as I want them to today, the fact remains that God is in control. Whether or not people act as I would want them to today, the fact remains that I can choose to follow Jesus. Whether or not I feel great today, the fact remains that Jesus has an awesome and eternal love for me, whether or not. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that joy is not dependent on good circumstances. That whether or not the circumstances are good today, I can look beyond and I can see what you're doing. Jesus, I thank you. We thank you that right now, whatever the struggle that's going through in our lives and our hearts, we can see you. We can see that you have a purpose, that you have a plan. We thank you that whatever the people in our lives are doing right now, whether they're being supportive or whether we're being attacked right now, the truth is, God, you're greater than all of that. And so we lean on that right now. We lean on you right now. And we pray for this kind of joy, the whether or not kind of joy, the kind of joy that is not dependent on circumstances and doesn't have to ignore or pretend about circumstances, the kind of joy that sees you at work in the midst of the real circumstances of our lives. We pray for that kind of joy. Help us to learn it. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, join us tomorrow as we continue to talk about circumstances and joy in Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 to 30.